It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in. It is the third hour on Monday. And, uh, of course, you know that when it is the third hour on Monday, uh, you know, I'm just going to skip the music. I didn't have it lined up. I forgot. So we'll just skip it today. Oh, you're going to need the microphone, Jack. We'll shine the light ourselves. Yeah. You want to sing? You want to sing for me? No, you do not want to hear me sing. Uh, Same here. So uh, we are. We do have a lot to talk about. But before we do, I just want to read a quick app chat message we got toward the end of the last hour. Uh, this comes from HT in New Bedford again. Tim, you don't have to talk in a different goofy voice when you're trying to imitate where you think I'm coming from. I'm not condoning Mr. Oliver's uh, intolerant comments. My train of thought is more along the lines of organizations are going to sling mud, which I believe was warranted, and it's still a fresh topic. Why have they not at least commented on the other? That's all. I always appreciate your insight. So I apologize for doing doing the goofy voice, and I probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't mock people that disagree with me when I don't like when people mock me for disagreeing with them. So yeah. I apologize I, I, for that. It didn't bother me. I, 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 wasn't, I, wasn't. I think, I think the, that goofy voice was a, a commentary on, you know, blue-collar, macho white men who... In all honesty, in my opinion, would be the largest target audience for making fun of transgender people. So yeah, and I, I, I with that, then I was just trying to differentiate, you know, your voice from what I was saying. I wasn't trying to like make you sound unintelligent, so I apologize for that. Um, but it, you know, this is the topic that we were just discussing. You said that you you heard Sean Oliver's comments. Uh, he just called in before the end of the hour. The election is tomorrow. Uh, the weather is something that I think is probably going to affect this vote more than 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 that uh, February surprise, I guess we'll call it. Yeah. So um, I heard I heard Sean. I, I, this whole thing has been disappointing to me because I, I did not really get the impression that 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 Sean would would, would think these kind of things were funny. Um, I I did not, you know, and I, I I did not hear a full throated apology there. I heard. Um, some statements that he's been to the place and that he doesn't, you know, really, you know, it was just like off color jokes. You know, I, I think in this country there was a time, and we discussed this off here, when it was appropriate to make certain jokes about black people, make certain jokes about Jewish people, and now we have certain jokes about gay people or transgender people. I, I just think enough of, of, of it. Like, uh, none of us would like everything we've ever said or written or whatever to be scrutinized. Uh, he reposted these memes. I have to assume he thought they were funny. We're in a different era now, and they're not funny. And and maybe we're um, too obsessed with political correctness. Maybe we're too obsessed with uh, you can't take a joke. But the people who can't take a joke have had very hurtful experiences with these jokes. And so it's not funny to them. As you pointed out, there's an LGBTQ bar. The, only, the city's only LGBTQ bar is in Ward 3. You know, he says he's gone there to dance. It is a good dance club. Uh, but, you know, Wendy, the bartender there, you know, called and she said she was offended by them. And she said she knows uh, an anti-LGBT slur when she hears one. And that's what she felt felt it was. So I think that, um, 
You know, it's, it's, it's embarrassing that the press didn't find this themselves. You know, I think we had a responsibility to, to look into people's backgrounds. Maybe we didn't do enough. Um, it was brought up by an opponent. That's what political groups do. Um, it is last minute. It's too bad that it was so close to the election because it would have been good to have a, uh, a full discussion at the, of this during one of the um, debates or candidates' nights. But it is what it is. People will have to think of it what they think of it. You know, when you came out of, the, you were here for the WBSM debate on South Coast tonight on Wednesday last week. You know, when you came out of that, what this this story aside, what was your feeling coming out of that debate as to, you know, did anybody have an edge at that point in time? Well, I, I think um, I was disappointed. I felt, I feel like both these candidates have now got um, professional handlers or people who they are, they are, I don't know whether they're professionals, but they're people who are, you know, savvy politically. I know that some of them have been talking to incumbent city councilors, and they've they've both become very schooled at how to say very little in their answers. And so I think I've talked to a number of people in the media who have said, jeepers, it's very hard to, you know, see anything but this um, boring moderation from both of them because they're both being so careful. I think I, I don't think either one of them is the person that they're presenting themselves to be. I think that, that I mean, it appears that that Sean is, 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 is more of a, um, uh, almost like a Trump type candidate, you know, than he's let on. I think that, um, Carmen is not as liberal as she is, you know, um, I think that the Coalition for Social Justice, similar to Sheriff Hero, may be surprised that she's not as liberal as, as, as maybe they would wish her to be. So I think that the candidates are presenting them, and that's what, that's what politicians do. But we thought we had fresh new politicians in this city, and I think we're getting, you know, more um, uh, 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 typical politicians. You know, I, I also think, though, too, to some degree, there's the matter of getting yourself elected, and then once you're elected, you might be a little bit freer. You might feel a little bit freer, you know, because you you have first of all you've won the office. It's a little bit of an iffy thing this time around because they're basically getting elected and then they're starting the campaign again a few months later. So they don't they don't really have time to really establish themselves as how they might want to be before they're going to be trying to get votes of people again. So I think that you probably can see like if you look at the way that, you know, Shane Burgo and Ryan Pereira, the two most recent additions to the council, you know, I look at them as people who, I've, you might feel differently because you were covering it more than I was, but I felt that they were, that they've been a little bit freer as counselors than they were when they were as candidates. I think Shane Burgo ran as the progressive that he is. I, I think he has been the only politician I've seen in New Bedford in many years who said, this is what I am. You know, and this is what I believe. I've been disappointed as to how much he's gotten on the team of of, of Councilor Morad. We can talk about that later. But I think Shane Burgo is what he says he is. I'm not sure that these two candidates are. I do want to talk a little bit about one of those memes that was sent out because it was really disturbing to me. And that's the one where the black man is at a urinal and there is a, a white, I assume, transgender person next to them because they're 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 standing up urinating, or or that's the implication. And the thing says this is what the democrats have brought you uh uh i guess you know in a certain world if if, if we didn't have so much um uh hurt all around you know you might think that's funny but i, I really think it 
it, 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 it is not a moderate Democratic position at all. You know, I was I was so confused by it that I went back to City Hall to look up the voter registrations of the candidates, and I found that he's been uh, Sean has been registered as a member of the United Independent Party, which is Evan Falchuk's party, which uh, was sort of a I think it's a conservative Democrat uh, type. You know, he was, he ran a few years ago. I, I believe it was for governor, but I just I just it bothers me when people present themselves as other than what they are, and I guess that's what politics is. You know, certainly we saw it in the Haro Hodgson campaign. I think Hodgson presented himself as more moderate than he really is. Haro uh, presented himself as not as liberal as as maybe he is, uh, or, or they, yeah, that's that's called positioning. But you know, I the whole thing, this this whole experience with these these members that posted, I think has been uh, disappointing to me because I thought these candidates might have been a little different. And that particular meme wasn't even accurate. Because the Democrats that I vote for, they would make it so that the person wouldn't have to go into the men's room and use the urinal. They could use the ladies' room if that's how they identified. So there wouldn't have been a transgender man in, the, in at the urinal. They would have been in the ladies' room. Right. That's that's yeah, so those are the, not, those are the, not even inaccurate. Those are the Democrats I vote for. We have a uh, phone call here. Let's go to the phones. Uh, you are on with Jack Splain. Hello. Yeah, I I can call twice because right? there's a guest on. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, aligning the gentleman with Trump, I mean, come on, give me a break. That's a far, far, far stretch. And, and, and my problem with this so-called social uh, justice group that's calling out this gentleman is the fact that they don't call out someone like Gomes that was fired for a sexual harassment allegation. And, and you know, why do they get to pick and choose who they go after? Well, I think and well, all first... of a sudden now oh. it's, it's pertinent. Well, I do think an allegation is different than something somebody actually posted yeah, on their but, Facebook page. Brian, Brian Gomes is not in this race. What, what Brian did and what he was fired for at the hospital. He's been in 30 other races, though, right? I mean, about 15 of them. But that, that's, that's not what this race This race is about two people and one of the groups supporting. Right, but I'm not going to take the, you know, if, if this so-called social justice uh, group is serious and they're not do, taking action on, on this situation and now all of a sudden... They know how to use the media to get their point across, but no, they've been lost all these years. I'm not taking them seriously. And I'm not going to sit here and let Jack Spillane compare this gentleman to Trump. Well, I, I think that it, it, Trump has been the king of divisiveness in our country the last 10 this years This is a or young so. man that works in the city, works hard, has a family. He's a good he man. He's city. not Trump. I, and you shouldn't be doing it. And shame on you, uh, Spillane. Well, Have a good one. All right. Okay, so he hangs up when yeah, he's made fun. his last point, which is... One of the things that I think you know is, is difficult about Carlos is sometimes you think he's he's um, getting more moderate and then he just does that. You know, I think that these were coarse, crude memes that were put up. Um, I think that you know they bothered a lot of people. I think it's not just the Coalition for Social Justice that would be bothered by those memes. Uh, you know, and I think that that they 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 just seem the way it said this is what the Democrats have brought you. With those photos at the urinal, uh, that reminded me of Trump, and I'll, I'll stand by that. And, and I don't understand the lack of why, why don't why don't people understand that organizations exist for a certain political agenda, and whatever the issue might be with other counselors is outside of what their agenda is. They're they're not ombudsmen who are there to comment on everything political that happens in the city. Yeah, they have I mean, an agenda and they're working the, to push that. The, the Coalition for Social Justice picks and chooses their battles. Yeah. And they're, they're a political organization like any other one. You could say that maybe they should have spoken up 
during the, the Brian Gomes controversy. His fellow counselors should have spoken up during the Brian Gomes controversy. That case, by the way, is still in, in court. He's appealed it. He said that he was um, uh, unjustly done wrong, and he hopes that the SJC will see it differently. We'll have to see what the SJC says. Um, uh, uh, he, he maintains his innocence to this day, but but you know it's a different case. It's 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 the, the coalition chose not to get involved in that one. They chose to get involved in this one. You know, it's that's that's their right. And uh, let's take another call here. Good morning. You are next with Jack Spillane. Hi. Good morning. It's Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Um, it, uh, if those cartoons had been Facebook of Oliver's that were on his Facebook page had been on the pages maybe ten years ago or something when he was much younger, then I would think perhaps he's matured by now and would not think to put such types of cartoons on his Facebook page. However, since they were done, put on within the last few years, I think voters need to pay attention to them. Truth is often spoken in jest, as someone once said. And as far as someone being labeled a family man, what the heck does that mean? You know, I know that it's bandied about all over federal, you know, at all levels of our government. What does that mean? I hate it, to be honest with you. I hate it when it's brought up as a point to differentiate one person from another because it indicates that if you are a single person, they, they did it with Paul Harreau. They tried to mm-hmm. indicate that because he didn't have a family, he's somehow less than Tom Hodgson because of it. And, and I just think, I think, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's garbage. It's one side trying to claim that they're the family, the family people, the family party. One side trying to claim the flag. One try, side trying to claim, you know, all those things. It's, it's, it's really... Um, those things belong to everybody. I, I, I mean, I, what I want to hear is just a full-throated apology. Yeah, I made a mistake. Oh yes. All, all yes. of us, all of us have said things or done things that we, you know, we regret. I made a mistake. I realize now why those things are not funny. Um, I actually don't feel that way. I, I've, I've spoken to um, the LGBT group, groups. I've, I've reached out to them, and uh, I intend to be more careful going forward. I mean. You know, you can try to make it about the Coalition for Social Justice, but everybody knows what the Coalition for Social Justice is. They're a liberal group. They're supporting a candidate they perceive as liberal. That, that's who they are. May I? Uh, yes, that's true. I uh, actually worked with a couple of uh, the uh, earlier leaders at Bristol Community College. They never hid their their um, their beliefs and such. Um but getting back to the family man, I don't know if Oliver has a daughter or not, um, but he certainly has or had a mother. And for him to have included, in particular, the one that really gets me, all of them do, they don't belong there, is Grab Him by the Percy cartoon. That is so, it, when Trump Which is, did, of course, a take off on Donald Trump's uh, comments in the Access yes. Hollywood Tape. How dare this family man, who no matter whether he has a daughter or not, have a mother, had a mother, speak about or refer to a cartoon like that? There's nothing funny about it. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I and just... I absolutely, if I were voting in Ward Three, I would not vote for him. He's too immature. Yeah, I, I would. I would just say that. Uh... For all intents and purposes, Sean seems to be a very good family man. I've I've, I've been up to his house. 
you know, he, he's working closely with his wife. He's very involved in his um, uh, special needs sons. Uh, and he does have a, 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 an adult daughter uh, from uh time when he was young. Uh, I mean, what I object to is when, when one group says we're the family people and, and you're not the family mm-hmm. people. All of us yeah, come from yeah. all of us come from families, as far as I know. You know, most of us love our families, and so uh, I don't I don't know where that comes from. Sean Oliver is a good, yeah, no, good, I think it's great to yeah, point out that somebody is a family person. It just doesn't have to be, you yeah. know, it, it's not, it doesn't make them better than the right, other person. I just want to make the point that he appears to be a good family man. I, I just think that this was, you know, beneath him and, and, uh, you know, I'm disappointed in it. That's all. All right, Catherine, thank you for I'm, the call. I'm hoping if another issue comes up later this morning, if I, I could get in line to speak because there are other things, but, um, I hope you don't mind if I call again, as long as I go in order. So, uh, that's okay, right? We'll, we'll, another issue we'll, we'll see. We got we got a lot of stuff to cover, so right, right, I, I want right. to get into it. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank, thank you. you so much. And um, sorry, I didn't mean to hang up on you there. I do have to take a break, though. When we come back on the other side, we I definitely want to get into the city council stuff, which I think is what Catherine was alluding to. Uh, we definitely want to talk about that. So we will sw- switch gears to that when we come back. More turning on the light with Jack Spillane in just a few moments. After the big gun. Jack Spillane, Jack, before we get into the city council stuff, should we take this call? Sure. All right. You were on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Good morning. Hello, Gilly. How are you? How are you doing? I'm glad you talked me. I just want to say something about the city council, about how they do whatever they want to do. I didn't get to say anything on Friday night with um, Marcus and everything. Pereira, Ryan Pereira had a motion. Everybody attacked the mayor at that city council. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, that seemed to be the case. Okay. Now, Ryan Pereira put a motion on the agenda and he asked for all the commissioners from New Bedford Housing to be there. Now, you got to know that the uh, um, city council is the ones that appoint these people when the mayor puts their names up. So they have a right to ask him to come in. None of, no one person from the commissioners of New Bedford Housing showed up. Did you see anybody from a city council? Ripped them a new kista? Uh, I did not know. No, you know what I mean? They just do the thing. They're the ones that control. That's why I'm saying they're protecting Steve Beauregard. They got to bring the, the commissioners in because they're the ones, their job, I got a kick out of when, when they swore um, uh, Olivera in the other day, swearing that he's going to do his job. His job is to protect the people that live in housing, and his job is to protect the taxpayer. He's not there to protect Steve Beauregard. None of them showed up. Isn't that something? And no, no one city councilor said anything about. But they had a, they had a lot to say about the mayor. Well, no we'll want to bring out. We'll have to find out more about that. But I'm going to just hold you there, Gilly, so we can move, move on to some other things. Thank you. And um, so, Jack, I want to talk to you about the city council meeting that happened on Thursday. In all your years of covering politics here in the city, have you ever seen where for over an hour the city councilors just unload on the mayor like that? Um, toward the end of Scott Lang's uh, mayorship, the, his relationship with the council was pretty bad. I mean, for the last year and a half, they did not approve a single appointment that um, he made. And some of the same cast of characters, uh, Linda Moore, Brian Gomes, were there. Uh, I, I, 
I mean, I, I think the council has some problem with some long-term councilors that, that are, are just poisonous to, to, to um, constructive uh, debate in the city. It's not that that um, they don't have the right to be a check and balance. They do. Um, it's not that they're right that they don't have to do constituent services. They do, but it should be done a certain way, in my opinion. And um, it's not that they don't have the right to disagree with the mayor. They do, but they should debate him on the issues. The mayor, I have written down six different ordinances that the mayor asked to um, uh, adjust. And except for Councilor Morad, I'll give her this. Councilor Morad often addresses some of the ones, the ones that she's interested in, uh, disagreements with the mayor. The other councilors didn't even address the substance of his issues, which basically is that 25% um, as a cap on these salary uh pay raises, reclassifications, whatever you call them, is still too high. I think the public feels that way. I think the council is dug in now because they don't. They feel like the mayor has embarrassed them. Uh, but the mayor said all along, I'm going to sign this, but I, I, I don't think it's good, and I'm going to sign it because I need to be able to get some positions in. Um, so uh, uh, there are also, I mean, there's all kinds of things I could say about this, but I, I think... I think I'll start with constituent services. Uh, constituent services is a good thing, uh, but I think it really should be done through the mayor's office, which is the way that Lang and, and Kalis preferred it to be, that if you have an issue, you can call the department head, but it's the mayor's office that really has to, to address it. You really shouldn't have them saying, I'll get that, that, that streetlight uh, fixed, I'll get that tree cut, I'll get whatever done quicker. They should not be in a position to manage the department heads, city councilors are not the department heads managers. The mayor is. And, you know, if you want to be mayor, run for mayor. Some of them have run for mayor. But you can provide constituent services. What it's really about, as the candidates in this election, the seven of them that ran for Ward 3 pointed out, is communication. Just someone to get back to them. The mayor's office is not always good about getting back to them. You can call the mayor's office and things can drop into a, a black hole. But I think it's the, the councilors are in a stronger position if they say, I called the mayor's office, you know, about the situation with sidewalks and I get no, no results from them. But when you are trying to get the issue at hand, whatever it is, you know, snow plowing, street lights, whatever, addressed firsthand by yourself, that's not the way to do it. You know, you, you really have to go through the mayor's office because otherwise somebody is getting favoritism before somebody else. And that's that's what I object to. So a lot of them spoke about constituent services. I don't know why they were speaking about constituent services because the mayor was giving seven different amendments. The Connie Amendment, which was the most egregious part of what happened, is there are six steps. And I think the, the actually nine steps. And I think they increased them to 12 steps that you can um, – uh, move up as you have longevity for the city. So the city has already built in longevity rewards. The county amendment gives them more money than that and up to 25%. I just think that most people, you know, where they struggle in a city where people are struggling to pay their taxes would think that's too much. Another one is the residency reduction. Uh, Councilor Moore brought up something that I thought was interesting. She said that the whole 10% residency reduction began when the mayor refused to waive 
the right for a person who had been with the city for 20 years who was not a management employee, if I understood correctly, to move out of town. And uh, he would not waive it. Now, I don't know whether he didn't waive it because, in all honesty, all things are not equal. It's harder to get highly skilled people than it is to get rank-and-file people. As a person who spent most of my career as a rank-and-file reporter, wasn't until late in my career that I became an editor, I can understand that. But, but those people are just easier to hire than people who are highly skilled, like a chief financial officer, the head of Department of Public Infrastructure, whatever. And so to have a 10% reduction for them and say, well, why should they get it when, they, when the rank and file people don't get it? Because that's the market. It's easier to get. Now, if Councilor Moran is correct and the mayor would not waive that residency requirement for that 20-year employee. I don't know what other personnel issues may have been involved. I'm not the manager there. I personally would have waived it for that person if they've been there for 20 years. But you don't know what management issues. Maybe that person was not a good employee. Maybe they were a person that the, the city would like to get rid of because they were not doing a good job. You know, I, I don't think the city council should be substituting themselves as the managers of the city because that's not their job. They're the policy makers. And so, yes, you have a responsibility to, to do constituent services. Yes, you should take it very seriously. But that's about communication. And part of communication is communicating with the mayor's office. You can call the department heads, but don't make out an arrangement with the department head to fix this guy's streetlight that, 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 that is going to be supporting me because that puts you in a position of owing that guy a favor. And then all of a sudden we have these people that get 50% raises, 30% raises, and people are wondering, well, some of the counselors said, well, they do extra work that other people and other communities don't do. Eh, maybe they do, maybe they don't. The personnel director studied that, and she's the, the professional. She said she didn't think that they did. You know, I'm inclined to take her word over the city council's salary. I did, just on that point, I did think it's pretty interesting that Council President Morad said on Friday, I don't know if you heard it, but she said that they never received, and she mentioned in the meeting too, I believe, where they never received the study per se. They received a spreadsheet. So, so they didn't have the analysis as to why yeah. those recommendations were being the, made. If the mayor didn't give them the spreadsheet, he should give them the spreadsheet. The mayor is famous. No, he gave them the spreadsheet. He didn't give them the study. He should give them the study. My understanding was that the study was done 10 years ago. They didn't do a study this time. They just took numbers, and they gave them the numbers. But if the mayor, it would be just like the mayor not to give them the numbers. He's like that with the press all the time, not giving us things that we request and, and, and keeping us waiting. So if, if he didn't do that, then he should do that. That doesn't excuse them then to turning around and coming up with formulas that have no basis in reality other than these people are all directors, these people are all assistant directors or, or whatever. I mean, the council substituting their own judgment, you know, they didn't do a study either. Um, they also rejected the mayor's ability to offer uh, someone like a chief financial officer or a treasurer an entry level at the third step without going back to the council. Um, I, you know, I have mixed feelings about that. I, I do think the council has a fiduciary role, but I also think that in the negotiations, the mayor should be able to, 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 to do that. So I, my, my inclination is to give the executive the break on that because he's the one doing the negotiating, trying to attract them to the city. You know, if, if the council doesn't want to um, pay them that, they have to approve it. And, you know, knowing that the mayor is also going to be fiscally responsible, he's not going to make that offer unless he has to. Yeah, I just, I just think that people who really want to be the manager of the city, in in this case, I'm talking about 
Linda Morad and Maria Giesta because they've run for mayor. They want to be the manager, but they didn't win. He's the manager. They're the policymakers, you know, and that you can't substitute yourself as the manager of the city. You know, you're not the manager. Another uh, thing was um, reduce the, the grade changes. Some of these grade changes that, that they introduced was they, they wanted to move people six and five and six grades at a time. Now, Judith Keating's was willing to move people one and two grades. The mayor did compromise. He went on his ordinance that he sent back to them. I'm going to veto anything that is, I don't want you to pass anything that's more than two grade changes. So he was going to give them one extra grade change beyond what Keating was recommending. So that's a compromise. They didn't want to have any part of it. The, the council just was loaded for bear. And, you know, they, they were going on and on about how difficult he is to work with. I will grant them that. I don't think he's a difficult person, an easy person to work with. He can be condescending. Uh, but if he's right on the issues, he's right on the issues. Um, the the three-year review, uh, I think the three-year review would, would prevent the, the salaries from getting so out of um, uh, touch. The state has a thing like that where – um, your salary increases are, are tied to the cost of inflation, the, the rate of inflation. That's the way that the state legislators gave gave themselves the salary increases. I don't see why the city couldn't do anything like that. I mean, I just think it'll be more manageable. Sometimes each the, time it comes up. The, um, so those were just things that there was no debate on most of these things I'm bringing up now. They really wanted to just talk about how unreasonable the mayor is. The mayor is not. They're always transactional. They always, what will you give us, Mayor, you know, for this? And he does some of that. He did it in the APA funding. He did negotiate with some of the counselors. But he's not a guy that easily negotiates. That's true. So, so that's the, that's the point. He's, he's in the, he's in the corner office. You are not. I think he should negotiate sometimes, but I don't think he should have negotiated to the point of these salary raises to now we're stuck with 25% cap, which some people are going to get. Um, I, I'm just surprised that that um, there aren't more counsel. I think I think Brad Markey often has good inclinations. You know, I think Ian Abel, if you could get him away from constituent services, you know, has good inclinations. But I think there are some counselors that just look for ways to, you know, to be difficult. Yes, they're a check and balance, but you're a check and balance. That means to be reasonable about what you ask for, not to think that you can get the sun and the moon, you know, uh, that's my take. Well, let's uh, let's take a phone call here. Good morning. You were on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Jack. It's Mike Lima. How hey, Mike. are you guys? Hi, Mike. Good. Good. Jack, I think this could be the first time you and I have ever talked, even though I've followed and been involved in local politics for probably uh, 45 years, uh, and we had a mutual friend robert Mello, the humble bum ah yeah well I, that, that's my bad i should i should have gotten to know you better Sooner. yeah well no hey listen that's both of ours well anyway the election tomorrow i think what you're going to see is the weather is going to play a major factor in the voter turnout so i think the candidate whose team can get their vote to the voting place is going to win that election. How much of a factor does all this play into into it about what has happened over the last four or five days with the Facebook memes 
I don't know because social media in today's political world is uh, wasn't it wasn't there years ago, and it's definitely a factor. How much of a factor it is in the last three or four days? Could it sway a few votes? Maybe. But yeah, I, I, I said I said to Jack, the weather will definitely be more of a factor than, than that will be. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's no 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 doubt about it. So I think the team that can look and say, I've identified these votes. Now I need to know can these people get to the voting voting polls or will they need a ride and can we get them there? Yeah. It's going to be a major factor tomorrow. I'm telling you, I've been in enough of them uh, to, to know that this is going to be big tomorrow. Getting people to the polls if they have to, if the snow becomes that big of a factor. All right, I'm going to hold you there, Mike. Thanks for the call. Thank yeah, you. I, I would agree with Mike. It's all going to be about turnout tomorrow. Um, I think two things I'm looking for is I know that, uh, first of all, I think either of these candidates can be a good counselor. I hope Sean will apologize for his memes, but I think he could be a good counselor. I think two things. One will be how many doors has Sean gotten to, and can, and can he get those people to the polls if the weather is bad? The other is how much can the Coalition for Social Justice get people in the low-income precincts to the polls, people in elderly housing, people in low-income housing, uh, people who um, they have worked for to help them with their benefits over the years. They they did that effectively for, for Paul Harrow. Uh, we'll see whether they can do it in a ward race. So polls open at 7 or 8? 7. So when the polls open, so I'm taking a look at AccuWeather's predictions hour by hour. There will be some snow overnight. It's supposed to end in the 4 a.m. hour. And then according to AccuWeather, and the 7 a.m. hour, it's going to start to rain. And 7 o'clock, no rain in the 8 o'clock, 9, 10, 11, 12, looking at rain and 35 to 40 degrees at that point in time. So rain is at least a little bit better but, than snow. But you, you and I are talking about uh, rain from a standpoint of, of healthy individuals. I, I'm, I'm thinking about the people this affects are elderly people and people who are sickly, people who uh, are disabled. Those are the people that won't as easily get to the... The polls, but I do um, think they'll more likely exactly. to go if it's raining as opposed to yeah. if there's snow yeah. on the ground. And, and in all honesty, I mean, anybody who's uh, sort of what I would call a casual voter, somebody who thinks, "Yeah, I might like to vote today, but I'm not really that into it." Those people don't. If, if it's if it's going to be a hassle, they don't come out. Let's take another quick call before you have to take a break. You are next with Jack Blaine. Hello. Hi, it's Catherine again, and I'll be quick uh, about getting back to uh, Jack's. Um, previous comments um i have three things i'd like to say well one is a question that maybe you could answer after jack um it was my understanding that the study was done within the last year uh because i thought that the i saw somewhere that uh written that uh the city paid twenty thousand dollars for an updated study Wait, let me just finish because then i'll get off the horn i don't, I don't want to hog things um and then um Given or if assuming there was a study, why did the city council go ahead without it? They could have insisted. They could have gone to the mayor's office and all stood there and said, we want a copy of the study. Yes, the mayor should have given it to them if he didn't. But why did they go ahead without it? And then finally, um, Linda Morad, uh, I think it was at, during the uh, half hour last Friday, at one point said that there had been a debate uh 
on the floor last Thursday, there was no debate, as I think you, Jack, just said, or one of you, Tim, one of you said that there was no debate. There absolutely was no debate. Nobody uh, in any depth discussed any of the ordinances. Well, except maybe one person, but it was a very brief statement. Um, and I just want to say I'm, I'm very puzzled. A city councilor called me. I won't give their name, and I'm going to use the third person plural, so they're gender is not uh, sex isn't identified um i I heard the message they wanted to uh, to talk to me and tell they wanted to uh, explain to me their reasons for having voted as they did well uh anyway there's a lot i could say about that but uh, i've heard enough uh and um you know so i'll politely thank the person for the call but I, i don't need to hear more from them about why they voted. They made it clear uh, in their last couple of meetings um, and also, you know, in in conversation elsewhere. So, okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Yeah, I I just wanted to make the point that my understanding is that the study was done the the last time they reclassified, which was a 10 years ago, that this was just a survey that they did this time. Whether he even gave them the actual survey results, I don't know. Um, uh, He should have uh, if he didn't. But I, I, I think the, the study was done some time ago. I could be wrong, but that's my understanding. All right. I got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. 1420 WBS. Blaine, Jack, you had some more yeah, points. There was something I want to uh, bring up. Um, there was a line in Arthur Hirsch's story about the city council meeting that in, in which he quoted Mayor Mitchell saying that Councilor Morad has, and I put this in quotes, abused city officials, and he had asked her to when she has concerns to come to his office and that he will then uh, communicate with the department heads or the city officials, which to my mind is the appropriate way to do this management. And that Morad has now not talked to him for two years. So that I think we've all been wondering what, how, how was it that she hadn't talked to the mayor for two years? This is the first explanation I've heard from any side about what the reasons are. Again, I think we need to know more about this. Uh, he, he, told Arthur that she had, quote, abused city officials. He had asked her to go to his office when dealing with uh, city workers, department heads, whatever, and that she had not talked to him after that for two years. So that gets to the whole problem with constituent services. You know, I'm not against the councilors talking to the department heads to get information directly. They need to do that sometimes. But I think when there's a request to fix something, to do something, it needs to go through the management offices. And that's just the way I feel. All right, well, Otherwise, it's too much favor doing. i got to take one final break. We'll be right back. In the light with Jack Spillane. Jack, really quickly, anything that you want to uh, let us know that's coming up? No, I, this is a big election tomorrow. Uh, it's going to determine the balance in the city council. I think it'll be interesting to see who wins. And it will also be interesting to see how they behave once they get on the council, whether you know, these things that they talked about in the campaign will continue to be true or whether they begin to talk a different tune when they get on the council. At least it's a good, you know, at least it'll be a night where we'll have the results early. Hopefully there'll be no machine issues or anything. We'll be able to get all the results early and yeah. we can go to bed around nine thirty, ten o'clock knowing who the, who the winner yeah, is. My goodness, if the weather is very bad, you may have like, like 5% of the turnout, like deciding, you know, what the ward gets for the next, uh, could very well be. Let's squeeze in a quick call. You are next on WBSM. Yes, uh, about this uh, pay raise. You know, the the council com- you know complains that you guys aren't giving them a fair shot. They they hurt themselves. 
you know, because with this, if they'd have said, okay, uh, mayor, well, we'll bring it down to 15, it would have showed some flexibility. So uh, the mayor is out out-politicking them, and that's what it boils down yeah. to. And I'll just point out that some of the councilors complaining the most that we're not getting both sides don't return calls to the press, not just me. I'm an opinion writer, but uh, straight news reporters, uh, the radio station, some of the councilors complaining the most don't return calls. Well, he's out-politicianing poli- them, then, put it that way. It's not the, uh, the press's fault. It's their own fault, you know. All I can say is the voters who vote, you know, remember in November. All right. Thank you okay, for the call. Bye-bye. And speaking of, well, I mean, at least tomorrow, you, you'll have to remember to get out and vote tomorrow if you live in Ward 3. So don't wait till November for that. Yeah, I don't live in Ward 3, but but I'll be following the results closely. Well, you, you have you have a, a vested interest anyway as somebody who covers politics. That's right. So, And, of course, we'll be covering it here as well. Uh, Chris and Marcus will be here covering it, uh, giving you all the information as it comes into them. We'll have Adam Bass down at City Hall covering everything as well. So you will have wall-to-wall coverage here on South Coast tonight, tomorrow evening. Also, really quickly, a programming note. This Friday from 5 to 7... On the Howie Car Show, our own Jessica Machado will be filling in for Howie in the big chair from 5 to 7 on Friday. We're going to talk to her later on in the week about that. She'll give us a little bit of a preview on Friday of what she's going to do there. Stay tuned for Bill O'Reilly, followed by Barry Richard, then Howie Carr, then South Coast tonight. Enjoy every sandwich and enjoy every restaurant. WBSM and W254.